Edie Cantor, class of 1980, took an interest in feminism as an undergraduate, inspired partly by her friends at the Princeton Women's Center. She was active, though not the most vocal advocate, and that combination of traits set the stage for one of her most memorable experiences at Princeton. Women were a minority. Um, I didn't feel it much in the classroom personally, but I had friends, particularly I think in the sciences, who felt that it was hard being a, a woman in the sciences. I was not, I was in the Wilson School. There were a lot of women in the Wilson School um, majoring in, in that area or in the social sciences. There were very few courses, um, to my recollection, that dealt with uh, looking at the world from a gender, through a gender lens um, at the time. And I have a, a strong memory of taking one of the few courses that existed along those lines that was, you know, women in the world or something like that. I think it was a politics course. And the uh, professor was um, a, a woman who was, but who was very um, sort of critical of the feminist movement and uh, sort of actually one of the most paternalistic people I've ever met um, who, you know, said to us, oh, you, you'll all grow out of that, um, that feminism thing, you know, which, and I remember sitting in the back of the room with a lot of my friends just sort of rolling our eyes at this woman, but this was the only class that they had, one of the few classes that they had was talking about women's issues at all, and it was this very particular, you know, viewpoint. And so um, those of us who were um, identifying as feminists and believed very strongly that we needed to start looking at the world through uh, uh, the through gender lenses, not just through the lens of male, but also of female lens, uh, felt that it was really, we started talking about women's studies and, and how Princeton ought to be teaching more broadly about this issue. And a lot of these conversations were happening at the Women's Center. The discussion continued to, to focus on the academic part of this, that, okay, we have a women's center, we could talk about these issues, but why do we not have classroom experiences that allow us to reflect on these issues and, and um, look at, you know, particularly social science, history, politics, um, you know, through a, a non-male lens? And um, we, there was activism around trying to get a women's studies program started at Princeton, which also included looks at how many women were on faculty, uh, how many women were on campus, how women were treated in the classroom. All of these issues were, you know, intertwined. Um, so the university did, you know, after a lot of reluctance, the university did respond to some of the advocacy by creating a student faculty um, committee um, to examine whether or not to have women's studies. They populated the committee on the faculty side, at least in part with a bunch of faculty members who were known to be in opposition um, coming into it, either in opposition to women's studies or just generally kind of negative about interdisciplinary um, programs. It wasn't completely stacked, but there were definitely people known to have an opinion a negative opinion that were on that committee, which meant that it it felt to, to those of us who were advocating for it like a little bit of a setup. Nevertheless, um, it wasn't exclusively that, and there was the opportunity for students to have a voice in this committee. And so at the Women's Center, among those of us who were thinking about this issue, I remember we had discussions about, well, who can we get to be on this committee? 
who would be who would be the right person or people students who would express the view that we had that was positive towards women's studies and and that would be accepted on the committee because the faculty or the administration got to decide who was on the committee so i i remember a discussion where you know sort of looking around the room it was like well you probably wouldn't be that good because i don't think they'll let you on the committee they know you're you know really vocal about this or you you know the same thing whatever but but i was somebody who was not so loud i mean out there in the community i was just sort of finding my footing i if you will as a as a activist and so i wasn't particularly known for being um a vocal advocate. I wasn't known for being a rabble rouser. I was kind of an unknown to the administration. Uh, and there was somebody else in the room, I can't remember who now, who fit that same kind of mold, you know? And so we were the ones who applied and were accepted to be on this committee. We, I don't think the administration knew of our, you know, firm belief coming in that we thought this was an important thing. Um, so, uh, so I joined the committee and, and it was really interesting. I got to go to all these meetings with faculty members and other students. Um, we did um, a lot of research on what was happening at other um, schools that had women's studies programs. What would it look like? Who would the university need to hire? Not necessarily individuals, but what, how many, what types of people? Would it be a program or a major? Would it be a certificate? How, what would it look like? Uh, if we did it, what were the reasons for having it? Um, you know, and part of it, of course, responding to the fact that now we've had 10 years of women on campus and what's wrong with us that we're not doing any education about the issues of women. And, um, and it was a success. We ultimately got convinced the committee, um, maybe even turned around some of the views of people who came in against the program. I don't know that it was a unanimous committee. But it was, it actually was a success. And at the same time that the committee work was going on, the people who were the um, out front advocates and, and you know, um, so-called rabble rousers continued their pressure. So it was a sort of a lesson for me and maybe my first lesson on the power of a strategic multi-pronged approach to an advocacy issue. It continues to be a part of campus, and I, I feel very proud to have been part of that legacy of um, creating something on campus that I, I hope is meaningful to young women and young men who are studying here now. Cantor went on to attend law school and practice commercial litigation before moving into work for nonprofits. She says that she has been a feminist for her entire adult life. Contrary to her professor's prediction, she never did grow out of it. Our thanks to Edie Cantor for sharing her story. The interview was recorded at Reunions last May, and we'll be speaking with more alumni at Reunions this year. If you have a Princeton story to share, email us at paw at princeton.edu. Brett Tomlinson produced this episode. The music is licensed from Firstcom Music. <laughs>